This is the 17th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio magazine podcast. Ear to the Ground features interviews, reviews, and field reports related to sustainable agriculture, family farming, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm your host, Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Ear to the Ground periodically provides a peek into one of the most successful beginning farmer programs in the country. During the past nine years, the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings Program has provided participants from throughout the Upper Midwest an opportunity to learn firsthand about low-cost, sustainable methods of farming. In this installment, we will feature an excerpt of a Farm Beginnings class presentation given by farmer Chris Blanchard. Chris, along with his wife Kim, operates a community-supported agriculture farm in southeast Minnesota. Rock Spring Farm sells shares to consumers before each growing season. In return for that purchase share, the farmer's consumer members receive a delivery of fresh, organic produce during the summer and early fall. Over the years, Chris and Kim have gained a reputation for not only producing top-quality, organic produce, but for managing their operation in a fiscally sound manner. Chris is a regular Farm Beginnings presenter, and his classes on financial planning are a favorite of many class participants. In a previous podcast, Chris talked about the nuts and bolts of financial planning, Here, he discusses the importance of planning for profit when considering various agricultural enterprises. One of the planning tools the Blanchers rely on heavily is gross profit analysis. Okay, gross profit analysis is a clear and simple way to determine which enterprises are likely to contribute the most to overhead expenses and therefore to profit. Every farm has a certain amount of overhead. You know, you've got insurance, you've got uh, the cost of ownership of your land. In our case, that's paying for a mortgage. You've got um, the cost of upkeep for the farmers. You need new overalls and new boots every now and then. Um, the, you know, taxes, all those kinds of things are, are really overhead expenses. Um, what we need is a way to figure out how to cover how to what contributes the most to those overhead expenses and then um, and, and and therefore once those overhead expenses are covered then to profit profits an overhead expense too I mean it's not like you get to spend a dollar from sheep differently than you get to spend a dollar from vegetables it's all still a dollar um, in traditional profit analysis you're going to use a system to allocate that overhead so you'd look at an enterprise and you'd say well, you know, on our farm, we might say, well, vegetables account for 90% of the, the, the dollars made on our farm. Therefore, we're going to allocate 90% of the overhead expenses to uh, the vegetable enterprise and see if it still makes money. But Alan Savory um, and the holistic management folks take a slightly different perspective, and they look. So the white on here is income. Uh, the light shade is direct costs, and the overhead is fixed costs. They they encourage you not to allocate the overhead to the enterprises. So what this means is that your only expenses you're going to consider when you're comparing two enterprises. If you're trying to decide, hey, do I want to raise chickens or do I want to raise sheep? One way to do that is to perform a gross profit analysis and look and say, okay, for enterprise A, chickens, we're going to make $20,000 selling chickens. I'm going to sell 2,000 chickens for $10 each, so I'm going to make $20,000. And those chickens, my expenses are what? You got chicks, you got feet. That's really it. And some equipment. 
here. Got $11,000 worth of feed and equipment and chips. Okay, so my gross profit on that, I don't really care. Land price, I'm not going to consider that in this because it's not a direct cost associated with chickens. I own the land. I'm going to pay the mortgage whether I get a job in town, raise sheep or raise chickens. Okay, I've got $9,000 of gross profit. In Enterprise B, I'm going to raise sheep. I'm going to raise, uh, you know, we're going to make uh, $16,000 off of the sheep. Uh, because I'm going to raise 160 sheep and sell them each for $100, um, and then, but it only cheaper, cheaper. You know, I, yeah, I'm going to. I've got my associated cost with sheep. Hey, say I already own the land or own the sheep, so my real costs are really just for feed, right? Because I've already got the sheep. I've got the sheep, so therefore I breed the sheep and I get the lambs. That doesn't cost me anything. I've got an expense for bedding in the barn and hay to feed and fencing in the field. And, and labor. And so that's only going to cost me $5,000. So I've got $11,000 worth of gross profit off a of sheep. Which would I rather do? Well, probably I want to raise sheep because then I'm going to have $11,000 that I get to put into covering the overhead to pay the mortgage on the farm, to pay the taxes, to buy a new pair of overalls. Um, and, and so instead of looking, you know, you guys all hear me say, we raised $250,000 worth of vegetables last year. And everybody goes, hooray! Well, that's nothing to cheer about. Okay? Because I might have spent $260,000 to raise $250,000 worth of vegetables. You guys don't know that, um, unless I tell you. And, and so um, these are really the numbers that count, is profit. Profit is what this is all about. Remember, it's like, it's like blood... For the body, you know, it's not the point of life, but without profit, there is no life for the business or for the farm. Um, so, that's, I mean, really, this is this is it for gross profit analysis. This is one of the most powerful tools that you can apply to to, to making decisions on the farm. Where do I get the most bang for my buck? Do you? I suppose if you where you're at, you probably mix them. Like you might say have a chart like that for vegetables, but then you'd say, my leftover vegetables would provide so much food for the chickens or so much food for the sheep, and it would it would do so much better for the chickens that it would change it, I mean, because they're interrelated, right? Yeah. Or not. You gotta be careful with that. I mean, you know, you can spend a lot of time trying to, try to play with that. I mean, you can have an enterprise of hay, and then an enterprise of of beef. Well, I mean, technically, if you have an enterprise of hay, you should know approximately how much does it cost per bale, and you should charge that amount to the beef enterprise. And then, if you turn around and sell some of the other hay, you know, you should. I mean, you know, yeah, you can you can certainly shift money from one account to another. Um, of course, you know, with something like feeding cabbage to the chickens, I mean, you know, you want to be careful when you start doing that. And, and it's like saying the raising an extra ton of turnips makes a lot of sense because I can feed them to the pigs. I don't know. It's mostly a bunch of water, you know. Um, the pigs like them. I think it makes the meat taste better, but that's about it. It's not like you're making money off of raising turnips and selling them to the pigs. If I had to pay retail prices for those turnips to get feed them to the pigs, boy, we'd be losing money on our pigs hand over fist. You know, so you want to be careful with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, some things are going to be mixed, and you shouldn't be afraid to. Don't be afraid to crunch the numbers. You know that, and that's that's the thing. Um, if you buy a new hoop house for your vegetable operation, where do you put it? In fixed or 
direct cost. Okay, overhead, fixed costs. Let's talk about fixed costs. Um, to determine what a fixed cost is, you look at this point in time, all the water that's gone, if I'm standing on a bridge, right, and, and under me is running the river of time, everything that's downstream from me is water under the bridge. It's too late now, it's a that's a fixed cost. Um, I'm already committed to paying the insurance on the farm. My overall liability insurance, I gotta do that whether I like it or not. I gotta pay taxes on the farm, I gotta pay mortgage on the farm, that's all water under the bridge. That hoop house is out and it's upstream from me still. I haven't bought it yet. So that's a variable expense. Okay. So this is different than traditional bookkeeping. I want to look out and say, you know, these are direct, that hoop house is going to be a direct cost to the enterprise. If I already own the hoop house, all right, it's downstream from me now. Um, I've already spent the money, it's already bought and paid for. Well, now that and I do and I want to am I choosing well gee do I want to this year raise sun gold cherry tomatoes in the greenhouse or do I want to graze sheep on pasture I've only you know I've only got time to do one or the other well you know then it I, there's no extra expense for that greenhouse it's already there I already own it so there's no it's not in overhead or, or it is, I'm sorry, it is an overhead. The greenhouse then is an overhead because I already got it. I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't go into this $11,000 that it's going to cost me to raise chickens because I already have it, you know, or $11,000 to raise sun cherry tomatoes. I've already owned that thing. The fixed, or the, 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 uh, the direct costs are really what it's going to cost me this year to do this thing. Now, with something like a hoop house, you know, we build greenhouses that cost in the neighborhood of twelve thousand dollars. Well, they're going to last for twenty years, so I don't want to have to afford all of that this first year. That's where you might want to do a return on investment, figure out your years to pay back, and plug some of that stuff in when you're making these choices. Or how long is that piece of equipment going to last? You buy a delivery truck. Is it a two-year delivery truck or a ten-year delivery mm -hmm. truck? How would you, using this model, how would you figure out if it's cheap, if you want Omega eggs, so uh, eggs that were laid by chickens who ate flax, how would you know if it was cheaper to raise your own flax or to buy flax? Okay, so how would you know if it was, if it was a better decision to, to raise flax or buy flax to sell um, high Omega eggs? So uh, I guess what I would do is I'd figure out, well, how much do my chicks cost? You know, all, what, are all the, what are all the direct costs that go into a given enterprise. And then if you want to decide whether you need to raise flax or buy flax, you figure out, well, what are the direct costs associated with raising flax? Well, you're gonna need a you're gonna need a seed drill, you're gonna need acres of land to do that on, you're gonna need labor to do it. Um, you're gonna get so much flax per unit of dollar input. You're gonna need a way to get it harvested. All those things come with costs. So you're gonna have a neighbor custom combine it. How much is that gonna cost to do? Um, you know, figure all that stuff in. Well, that's all costs that then you would associate. If the only reason you were raising flax is to feed in the high omega eggs, then those are all costs that are only associated with the high omega egg production and the production of flax for that. And then you could compare that to going down to Tom Francis Feedbill and buying organic uh, flax and seeing, you know, how would that compare? Because those are both direct costs, and then and you're 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 still going to get the same amount of eggs. So actually. The top of this, the top line on both of those will be the same. It's just a matter of which is going to come out 
with less direct cost. Now, if you already own the flax combine, okay, or maybe you already own a bunch of flax seed, those are then overhead, and you're not going to allocate those. Okay, for example, I actually happen to have, because we got behind on our cover crop planting, uh, 3,000 pounds of rye seed in my barn, right? That's overhead now. I can grow, I can plant 3,000 uh, pounds of rye seed next year for essentially no cost to myself except for the operational cost of the tractor, okay? But because I already own the seed, right? So that's water under the bridge. I don't have to go out and buy. So if I'm trying to decide, do I want to plant rye or do I want to plant oats, okay? I would look and say, well, gee, maybe I'm going to make, you know, $20,000 from planting oats, but it's going to cost me $11,000 because i got to spend $6,000 on oats seed, okay? But over here in column B, I've got rye, and the rye, I already own the oats seed that's down here in the allocations overhead. It's only going to cost me $5,000 worth of diesel fuel and, and combine costs to get those to, to grow the rye. So I'm going to make more money growing rye even though the price of rye is lower because I already bought the seed. Okay. You know, I've been very interested in Omega eggs and I have been feeding seed to my chickens. And uh, well, it started with the gal at the University of Nebraska. My brother-in-law teaches there. And uh, Canadian Flaxseed Council. And so uh, I had my eggs tested at the Ori Lab. And um, this, about a month ago, two months ago, Mother Earth News had an article on eggs. And it seems, and I know an Artemis Somopoulos, you know, the Mediterranean diet gal that was at the, um, National Health, Health, anyway, the one who came up, uh, when she came with Omega eggs, when she brought eggs from her dad's place in Crete, um, and had them tested, it seems, and I want to, I mean, I want to follow this up, but it seems if you've got range-fed chickens, you may have all the Omega-3 you need, and you don't have to spend the money for flax. And they've got Mother Earth News has Mother Earth News slash eggs, and there, there's going to be a lot of, I don't know, I'm hoping that there's going to be some interesting information. So it may be that if you want, I know that um, the gal who did the experiments at the University of Nebraska uh, was doing, she sold her formula to you know, people who have thousands of chickens. And it may be, if you've got them all cooped up, the only way you're going to get omega-3 X is by feeding them flax. But it may be those of us who range feed already have omega-3 in our eggs. So, mm -hmm. so, so this is, and the other thing to think about here um, that, that may be related to the difference between like you know, raising chickens on pasture, which doesn't necessarily get you as many eggs as force feeding chickens in a cage and, and pushing flax meal through them. Not that that's what you had in mind. Um, but you might get more money in eggs, again, over here in column A, by force feeding those chickens, right? But maybe if you put them out on pasture, you're going to get a lower yield, but 
your costs are going to be so much lower because they're going to eat so much more of their feed right out there and scrounge it themselves. And the price can be higher, right? Because right. people want to buy more mega eggs. Hey, so now your income's coming up again. Yeah. These are the kinds of things you want to be playing with. And again, the example there would be if you got to build a building to house your cage chickens in so that you can force feed them this flaxseed stuff, right? Then, you know, those are all, building that building is a direct cost. It's in, this, it's in this gray column here. But if you put them out on pasture that you already own, that the only thing you're doing right now is going out and mowing it twice a year to keep the thistles down, and now you're going to raise chickens on it, well, you don't put that, you don't put a cost for the pasture in here unless it actually costs you money to put the chickens on pasture. If you have to rent the pasture from your neighbor, well, then you better put that in your direct cost. But if you already own the pasture and it's just sitting there not doing anything for you, or you've run cows over it and now you're going to run chickens over it right after the cows, but it's not actually costing you anything to do that, then you don't put it. It belongs down here in this, this uh, fixed cost of, the, of, of all of your enterprises. Okay? So an example of this is last year, um, uh, we had, a, this is in 2004, we had a bumper crop of roots on our farm. You know, everything just went so right with, with how many roots we planted, and it became quickly obvious that there was no way we were going to store these in the limited amount of walk-in space that we had on our farm. Now, I could have looked at that and said, well, you know, it's going to cost me, you know, I've, I've got this much money into growing the beets, um, you know, we 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 got the seed cost, we got the the land cost, we got the we paid to hold those beets twice, we cultivated them with the tractor. Um, but but when we were when we were deciding what we were going to do with this huge bumper crop, we didn't look at all that. We said all of that is downstream from us now. The only thing that we have to decide now is whether we can make money picking those beets, renting some storage, and storing them in that storage unit. And then, and then having the post-harvest handling costs. I didn't need at that point to look at seed costs, hoeing costs, uh, cultivating costs, land costs. All of that was water under the bridge. I've already done all those things. We said, we have a bumper crop of beets. I can rent a semi-trailer from La Crosse Transport Refrigeration, and I can do that for $600 a month for three months. It's $1,800, and I can put in there how many tons of beets and carrots and turnips, and I can sell those things and it all made an abundance of sense. And I never even had to consider how much those turnips cost me to actually get them to that point. All I had to think about was how fast can I get those things picked, how long is it going to take to wash them, and how much is that trailer going to cost me to rent to store them in. That's it. Because that was all that was left upstream in the production process. So when we did our, our analysis on that, we did a quick gross profit analysis. Well, the best place for us to spend our money last September was to spend it on renting that trailer and getting those root crops out of the ground and into that storage trailer. Um, now, the important thing here is here now, we do all that. This is not a pricing tool. This is a decision-making tool. When you're doing your pricing, you better cover your overhead and your profit in your pricing. When I decide how much to charge for those roots at that point, I'm not going to say, well, gee, you know, I only need to car charge 30 cents a pound for my beets because that's all it costs me to pick them and store them and wash them. No, it costs me a dollar a pound because then I want to go back and include the seed costs, the cultivating costs, the hoeing costs, the land costs, the overhead, and my profit. 
you know, I want to get all of that in when I'm considering price. So this isn't a pricing tool. This is an enterprise evaluation tool or a decision-making tool for deciding whether something makes economic sense. At this point in time, this year, when we sat down to decide, are we going to rent a semi-trailer to store roots in for 2005, when we were making that decision back in December of 2004, we then looked at that and said, well, the cost of growing those roots is going to be X. Because the choice at that point was, do I grow the root crops or do I not grow the root crops? Okay. Last September, September of 2004, the choice was, do I pick the root crops and put them into storage or do I leave them out in the field? Those were my two choices at that point. That's, so at different points in time. So this is also a tool at a fixed point in time is when you use this. If I haven't bought the greenhouse, it's upstream. If I've already owned the greenhouse, it's downstream. Okay. If you're still depreciating it, you do it over. It's still a cost. It's not a fixed cost till after it's already paid for. Is it? If I've already got it, look. Well, I no. This isn't accounting. We're not accounting. We're making decisions about about what to do on our farm to make the most money that we possibly can with the resources that we have at hand. Now, I've got a greenhouse. All right and I've bought the greenhouse, I'm already committed. It doesn't matter. I'm going to pay the loan on that structure, whether I use the structure or I don't use the structure. Okay? I have $3,000 a year that I'm paying in a loan for a greenhouse. That's a fixed cost. Debt service. Done deal. I can't get out of it. I mean, what's my other choice? I could sell the greenhouse. Okay? That would be something to look at. From an accounting perspective, you're right. From a gross profit analysis perspective, that greenhouse is downstream. I'm already committed to paying the money for it. I, my only question now is whether I'm going to grow tomatoes in the greenhouse or I'm going to grow winter squash outside. You know, that's it. Which of those things am I going to do, given my limited time and other res resource money for buying seeds or, or uh, labor or whatever? So it's a fixed cost even the first year you buy it? Once you bought it. Right. The day you buy that greenhouse, you're committed to the greenhouse. Now it's a fixed, it's it's part of your, don't think of it as fixed. It's overhead. Now it's overhead. You okay. bought it, it's overhead. You can't get out of it. Yeah. Okay? Um, but but if you haven't bought it yet, it's still in this variable part here. It's above it's above this black ocean down here. One of the tricks of, of uh, that, that a lot of people advocate in the financial planning side is to minimize your overhead expenses. Okay, Because direct costs, you can change those over time, right? You get in a tight spot, you can change your direct costs, but you can't change those fixed costs. Um, we've used this on things like doing deliveries as well as another spot where we did this. Uh, when we started this, when we were deciding whether we wanted to sell wholesale vegetables up in the Twin Cities, we already had a CSA up there. We were already driving up there for the CSA. The wholesale vegetables at that point, when I'm deciding, do I want to take on another wholesale account up in the Twin Cities? It takes me a half an hour to deliver to a wholesale account. So wholesale account. It takes me six hours to drive to the cities and back home again. Okay, but I'm already doing that. That's a that's a fixed overhead cost. I'm already going to do that whether I sell to another food co-op or not. So selling to another food co-op, I don't need to take in the, the, the cost of getting to the Twin Cities. The only two choices are do I sell to the food co-op or do I not sell to the food co-op? 
So, um, and, and if I sell to the food co-op, I have a half an hour of delivery time and maybe another 20 miles of driving expense. I don't have this whole other expense of getting up to the Twin Cities because I'm already there. So that's water under the bridge. Um, you always want to make sure when you're doing your enterprise planning and the gross profit analysis exercises to assess the risk, okay? Um, you know, if, if uh, I mean, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I didn't think of a good example of this, so I'm going to wing it here. If this is the, if, 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 uh, if, sec, if section B here is what you could make growing marijuana on your farm, and this is what you could make growing corn, you might go, hey, I should grow marijuana. Okay, but that has risk involved. Okay, um, you know you you don't use this tool. This is actually a very dangerous tool used in isolation. Okay, hey, you know, look, I could make all of this money if I were to plow up right up to the creek side and plant corn and spray it with Roundup. All right, and. Well, you know, if I do that whole organic thing, I'm only going to make this much money, and I, if I keep those buffer strips in place, and you know, well, if I use this tool in isolation, it might say, hey, you know, I should be plowing right up to the creek side. I should be planting Roundup Ready soybeans, okay? But with the rest of my goals, that doesn't pass. This is one tool again in that in that holistic management uh, chart. This is one uh, of your decision-making tools. It's not the only decision-making tool. You never do your financial planning in isolation. Ever. Farm Beginnings is currently taking applicants for its next series of classes, which convene each fall and last through the winter. Following the classes, participants can take part in a series of on-farm visits during the spring and summer. For more information, see www.farmbeginnings.org. That's www.farmbeginnings.org. For more on the Blanchards and Rock Spring Farm, visit www.rsfarm.com. That's www.rsfarm.com. Send your comments, criticisms, and suggestions about this podcast to me, Brian DeVore, at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org. You can also call me at 612-729-6294. Special thank you goes out to Laura Borgendale, a Western Minnesota musician and LSB staffer who provided Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a very special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member and would like to support us, go to landstewardshipproject.org to learn how to join LSP. Thanks for listening.